Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Catherine Miller. I'm the founder at the Miller Law Group and a trainer at the Center for Understanding in Conflict. And I'm on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. And my guest today is Kimberly Kelly. She's an American author, neurolinguistic NLP and hypnotherapist. She's also an eight-year United States Air Force veteran. And Kimberly made profound changes in herself and her life by calling on her NLP and hypnotherapy training. She documented her steps and processes in her first book, No Shame, No Blame, Living in an Empowered Life After Divorce. And she's created a program from this book to help others who find themselves newly single. Welcome, Kimberly Kelly, to Divorce Dialogues. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you, Catherine. It's wonderful to be here. You know, we have some things to talk about today, but before we get into that, I really think we should talk about what neurolinguistic, I think it's programming, that's what the P is in the NLP, uh-huh. stands for, you know, what what is it and how does it work to help people? Well, neurolinguistic programming is the study of how we communicate with ourselves. So neuro is our neurology, you know, our neurology. Linguist is how we talk to ourselves. And programming are the programs that we learn when we're between, basically between the ages of birth and eight, nine, 10 years old. And that is what frames our beliefs and our really forms the basis for our lives. So what NLP does is it helps us to, as I speak about my book, it helps us to reframe and to create better patterns and programs in our lives separate from the ones we were raised with so that we can live this more empowered life. So Kimberly, is it like telling yourself a new story about who you are? I mean, that's what it sounds like to me. Is is that right? That's exactly it. It's all about how you talk to yourself. And it's all about the stories you tell yourself about yourself, your life, the world, relationships, everything, everything. So what about the importance? importance of that and, and paying attention to the story that you're telling yourself and the, and the thoughts that you're having. I mean, how does that impact how we feel about divorce or anything else that's going on in our lives? Well, for example, in my case, I had been telling myself once I got married for the fourth time, let's just be clear, I had this story going on in my head that I didn't want to be divorced for the fourth time. Truth be told, I didn't even want to be married for the fourth time, but I got sidetracked. And so I started telling myself, I'm going to stay married forever because I was already feeling embarrassed about being about being divorced three times. So I just told myself all these horrible stories about people that have been divorced four times and what a horrible person. Apparently, I'm no good. I can't be trusted. I can't be loved if I'm divorced four times. So that's where that all started. And that's the story I was telling myself, which created all this shame going on inside of me. I think that shame is a lot of people, part of a lot of people's divorce story. And whether or not it's the divorce story or a story about a reason to stay married, right? Or, or even a sort of post-divorce 
depression. And I don't want to say that it's inappropriate to feel sad when you get divorced. I think it is appropriate to feel sad. And I think one of the things that's really confusing about divorce is the sort of hodgepodge of emotions that people feel, which seem contradictory, sad, anxious, relieved, (laughs) right? All at the same time, excited and angry. I mean, like there's all, and that's one of the things that's really disorienting about it, but people often feel a little depressed going through that. But this idea that what I hear you saying that in your own story, that you felt shame inside yourself and you told yourself, I'm basically a bad person. Those were not your words, but I'm not worthy. I'm not a worthy person. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people also worry about what other people will think. And can you talk about like the, the sort of the comparison between those two things and how that works? Well, exactly. I mean, I came from a family of three other siblings and all of them have been married forever to the same person. And I, here I was, the baby of the family, and I just decided that, well, that wasn't for me. But my family never actually judged me, but I had this whole thing going on inside of me that I was judging myself because I was not living up to somebody else's standards. I had my own standards for myself, which was what I had created. I have to stay married in this fourth marriage or I'm just a failure. I'm a horrible person. You know, I I have no value. I'm not worthy, the whole thing. And so I just felt like even I stayed in that marriage 22 years after I should have been gone and probably longer. Wow. I had this shame going on that I didn't, not shame necessarily, but this angst that I didn't want to be married. And so what happened is that that angst and that resentment built up and it just, it played out in my behavior in the marriage. I didn't want to be married. I wasn't necessarily kind to him, although I tried to feed his narcissism. He has narcissistic tendencies. And so I tried to feed that narcissism, but I got to the point where I just couldn't do it anymore. I didn't like him, got to the point where I hated him. I couldn't stand the sound of his voice, but I turned that back in on myself because I didn't want to be divorced for the fourth time. So it's very, it's devastating when you go through that. You think your family's going to judge you. Your friends are going to judge you. Nobody judged me but myself. Yeah. So I, what I hear you saying in, in response to my question is there's that sort of internal sense of shame and that worry about what other people are going to think. Yeah. And, and I think what you're saying is that for you, at least, and, and possibly for other people as well, that it's really the internal drive, the internal shame that's driving that worry about what other people are going to think. Right. Yeah. And, and that, that that self-talk is then you, you project that on other people thinking, exactly. well, if I think, you know, maybe I'm not worthy of love or not worthy, not trustworthy or whatever I think is what you're talking about, then that must be what other people think, too. And they're just not worried about that. Other people, in my experience, are worried about themselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I just I really had that that whole story going on because then I I turned that back. Like I said, I turned that back into myself. Now I'm a liar and I am not living my authentic life and I'm just throwing it away. And it took so long to really understand what I was doing. So how do you reframe that negative self-talk into something that's a little bit more constructive? Well, I didn't, I wasn't able to do it until after the divorce, but the the thing that propagated that was I blamed him for the divorce, which was, you know, in retrospect was ridiculous. I wanted the divorce terribly since at least 2015, but even longer before that. 
But 2015, I made the decision that I wanted a divorce. The lifestyle that we were living of traveling and touring and entertaining kept us on the road and kept us working together. So the reframe after we got divorced was I wasn't blaming him anymore. I had to look at the reasons that I wanted the divorce. And I ended up saying things like, well, actually, he did me a great favor. It wasn't actually his decision to get the divorce. It was actually my decision. I didn't want to be married. I didn't like him. I wanted to be free, not to pursue other relationships. I just didn't want to be married to him anymore. I didn't want to be married anymore. So I just, I flipped it around to make it my choice. And of course, our frames, as you as you know, our frames are those things that we learn from childhood and the, the things that we experience in life. So the frame that we see life and our lives is all based on this old programming. So once I unraveled the old programming and realized there was nobody to blame, that everything was unfolding beautifully for me. I couldn't say that for him because I don't know. But for me, it had unfolded beautifully. And what happened is that I didn't lose my home. I didn't lose my spiritual center. I gained a lot of my integrity. Well, I gained my integrity back. I quit drinking, <laughs> which was getting way out of hand. And I just felt like I was becoming who I was supposed to be. And I also looked at all of the benefits of staying married. And there were a lot of benefits. That was the really critical thing was to see what did I get out of staying married? So that was a real turning point for me. Well, I got to travel. I didn't have to work in an attorney's office anymore. No, no offense there, but I did that for years, 20 years. So there were just a lot of reasons that it was a good thing I stayed married. In our spiritual center, I learned to become a leader and a speaker. So all these things started coming to me as benefits of staying married. So I didn't have to feel that blame of him doing something to me. That is the most disempowering program we can run for ourselves, most disempowering story. So in my work, that's what I've started to do is to help other people reframe their stories. Yeah, let's get back in in a minute. But I want to remind people that I'm Catherine Miller and you're listening to Divorce Dialogues. We're here on WVOX 1460 AM in Westchester County every other Wednesday from 5 to 530. But we're also available wherever you listen to podcasts and on the podcast website, divorcedialogues.com. And I'm talking today to Kimberly Kelly about her work with NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming and Hypnotism, and her book, No Shame, No Blame, Living an Empowered Life After Divorce. And and, and Kimberly, I think I think what I'm hearing you say is that that your marriage gave you a lot of things. And it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a mistake in that way that we sometimes think, of, oh my gosh, it's such a mistake. And I'm, I say this to my clients all the time, like in my first marriage, which lasted 10 years and I have two terrific kids from it. If I knew what was going to happen, I'd still do it. Like I'd, I'd walk in eyes wide open, still marry the guy, knowing everything that was in knowing I was also going to get my kids get. And it also like really helped me create my career because it was that experience. And I was a divorce lawyer when I married him. Right. So like make no mistake, because I come from a family therapist and I've always been interested in people. And I was really interested in the interaction and the intersection between people in their personal lives and their feelings and the law, which mm-hmm. isn't a place that a lot of people spend a lot of time or, or attention. And, and when I got divorced myself, I was really able to take that experience and create my law firm because I really wanted people to have a different experience that was really more wholehearted 
And and so I don't think of it as a mistake. It was painful. It was difficult. It was a challenge at a time. But I learned a lot about it, about myself. I learned a lot about relationships, about marriage. And I learned a lot about challenge and conflict and change. And and I think what you're saying is it's sort of a similar kind of thing that Absolutely. things happen. You're You're in the right place. And even if it's a difficult place right now, you haven't made mistakes. They've been growth opportunities. <laughs> yeah, Is that's that right? And I'm the same way as you. I would go, but if I had it to do over again with what I know now about narcissistic behavior and things like that, I could navigate that whole marriage completely differently and had a much better experience, but I, I didn't have those tools in. So I wasn't able to really look at things objectively and see what a real blessing that that whole, that whole relationship gave me. And my book, I mentioned that we had two different relationships. One was the marriage and the other was the business. And the business worked beautifully. I just would have learned to navigate the marriage better. And I would have enjoyed it more. But I did not enjoy that marriage. (laughs) (laughs) So you didn't use this word, but it it sounds like what you're saying is the worst place to be is in a kind of victim mentality. When, When you hand over your power to somebody else and you say, somebody else is making me unhappy. Somebody else is making choices. Somebody else is creating this hellish situation for me. Am I understanding that correctly? That's exactly right. Because that's what blame does. It puts you in a victim mode where you don't, you're not in control of your life. You're not in control of your happiness, your whole life experience. Everything you do is it's like a, a, a ball in a pinball machine. Remember those old pinball machines? You're just bouncing around from what somebody says and what somebody does and how they look at you wrong. And rather than being in control, you know, being that stoic person in control of their lives and their emotions, because that's all the things that create your new future or your future that you want to create. Nobody wants to be stuck in victim mode unless they're getting something out of it. And lots of times that's what keeps people stuck in victim mode. Their friends can go, oh, you poor thing. Yes, he was such a butthead. You know, <laughs> you were right to get rid of him or he was wrong to do this. That's, that's just totally disempowering. It's not where I wanted to be ultimately. But I went through that, and which is why I wanted to help other women to and other men to get through that part. I don't like being a victim. And I don't like hearing women be victims because... Women and men are just so much more than that. So what did you do and how and what do you recommend that people do to reframe that for themselves, to reframe that blaming victim place to a more proactive place? Look at the first thing to do is to look at the things that you got from the marriage, because actually, you know, it's not it's never the. I don't think it's ever really the divorce that's the painful thing. It's the marriage and the things that didn't work and the things that that we did, what we think we did wrong, what we think the other person did wrong. But it's to recognize the things that got that went right, to understand what we got out of the marriage and to see the benefits of having stayed married or the benefits of getting the divorce without pointing fingers. So in my case, like I said, I didn't have to work in an office. I got all the freedom. The first thing I actually recommend for people is to rate their values. What are your values? What's important to you? Mine was freedom. The second one was security, which is why I stayed in the marriage. And the third is money. And the fourth is travel. So I had all these wonderful values that I was not living up to at the time. 
So I, I invite people to discover what their values are and what's really important about the life that they want to be living so that they can go back to those values and say, am I living those values? The divorce helped me find those values and start living them. So those are the first things is just really look at the benefits because there are, I don't care how bad the marriage was. You got wonderful children out of them. You ha- you built a brilliant career out of it like you did. And I did, you know, I'm, I have a wonderful career and a life now all because of the divorce, but not because he did anything wrong or I did anything wrong, just the way things played out. You know, it's interesting. Margaret Mead had said at the end of her life, when somebody said, how did she feel about having three failed marriages? She mm-hmm. said, I, I don't think I had any failed marriages. I had three marriages that ran their course and ended. And, and the last one was actually quite painful for her, not something she wanted. And she still thought of it as something that was an important contribution to her life. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, ran, you know, she graduated from it. <laughs> That's yeah. my word, not hers. That's true. I, I think if people really look back at their lives and their marriages, they, they can see the same thing. Once they get past that blame and shame, it's, it's all a learning experience. And it's all, I think, in some divine way, it's, it's benefiting our growth, like you mentioned earlier. Yeah. You know, a client of mine, toward the end of her divorce negotiation, wrote a letter of gratitude to her husband and she published it. She didn't use his actual name, <laughs> you know, but she used the pseudonym for him and, you know, and she, and she thanked him for all the things that were really, that she was really grateful for about their, their marriage and their children and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. And, and at the time it was really interesting. He didn't want her to publish it. He really objected to the idea that she would, to do that, even though you would think, of course, like you would be like the idea of having a good divorce. I mean, once you decide you're, you're going to get divorced, I mean, who wouldn't want to have a good one where you are able to see that people are, are moving on. I'm Catherine Miller and you're listening to Divorce Dialogues and you can listen to Divorce Dialogues wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as on the podcast website, divorcedialogues.com. And we're also every other Wednesday from 5 to 5.30 on WVOX 1460 AM in Westchester County. And I'm talking today with Kimberly Kelly about NLP and the changes that she's made and that she's turned into a program and a book for helping other people change the story of their lives and change the story of their divorces and their marriages. And Kimberly, if people are interested in learning more about you, how can they do that? They can contact me at Kimberly Kelly author at gmail.com. I have a website, the body mind spirit.com. And I'm on, I have Kimberly Kelly author Facebook too. So those are the main ways that people can contact me. That's great. So I know I noticed that you're also a hypnotherapist, and I'm curious about that. You know, particularly in how it relates to divorce and and how you use it. And can you can you kind of explain that for us? Oh, that's my favorite part, because hypnotherapy provides a beautiful landscape for you to create something that you want. You use a lot of visualization, use words based in neuro linguistic programming, empowering words. And so you create these visions, these images of a life that you want to create, keeping the focus on the future rather than the past and the pain. So in my case and the cases of, you know, the people that I work with, I created this program called Reinvent Your Life so that they could actually imagine a life beyond the divorce, beyond the pain, beyond the angst, all that. And so in hypnotherapy, 
We take people out of the present and put them into a place they want to be. What do you smell? What do you see? What do you hear? What are you feeling? Even more important, what are you feeling? What are the colors? What are the sounds? Everything. And so you start creating this image of where you want to be. And when you do that, it actually activates your reticular activating system, which is a part of your brain that acts as a filter of anything that you're not focused on. I think I use the example of a Mercedes in my in my book. When you start thinking, I'm going to buy that new Mercedes or I'm going to buy that new car, all of a sudden you're seeing that darn Mercedes everywhere until it actually becomes yours. And that's the way that reticular activating system works, the RAS. So when you create this beautiful landscape in your mind, it separates everything out that is not that. For me, I was on a beach. I lived in a beach condo. I could hear the ocean waves. I could feel the salt air. I was living the life. I was living the life. And so that's exactly what happened. But that's what I use with hypnotherapy is I help people create that life that they really want based on their values, based on their desires, and based on nothing but their own inner guidance. And that's the most important thing is following that inner guidance. So I love using hypnotherapy with people. It's just a whole, it just opens up a whole world. Because I think that when people are first facing divorce, especially if they're not the one choosing it, or if they're choosing it because they feel like they have no choice, like that someone had an affair, or there was a financial betrayal or, or, some, or just something like that happens. And that in the beginning, you know, it just seems like the world has just turned dark. You know, there's no, like there's, there will be no joy. And, and so I think that the idea of using hypnotherapy to help someone imagine a better place and a place that they want to be, even in the, in the doldrums of the, and the, and the panic of that, mm-hmm. is, is that how that works? Oh yeah. But you, you kind of have to get them before you can do that, that real intense, this is how I want life to be. You really have to get people to a place of neutrality just to get, to help them get out of the dark place and see, maybe go into hope. Oh, maybe there is hope. I can have a better life. I can be happier now that I'm divorced. You know, you got to get them into a neutral place to where the darkness becomes gray and then the gray starts getting lighter and lighter. And when it does that, that's when you start bringing in all these beautiful submodalities of what it is they really do want and not what they left behind. In my case, I didn't, I didn't want the divorce at that time, I, you know, because of the shame and the blame. But boy, once I got past that, it was, it was all go. And I used the same technique on myself, which is how I start helping people to rewrite their story because their story is what they live. So when you tell yourself, I'm no good, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a failure in marriage, I'm a terrible person, nobody's gonna love me, I'm just not, you know, I'm not worthy of marriage, that's the life you're gonna live. That's not a good place to be. So when you can start telling your story, the story of the picture, the image that you're creating, I love, this is how my story went. I'm so grateful and thankful that I live on the beach, that I can open up my patio doors in the morning and hear the crashing of the waves, feeling that breeze from the sea on my face. 
hearing the birds call each other, walking out onto the sand. I mean, I just get it all work. I get everybody really worked up on this to where they're just many times they're just crying because it's so beautiful. And that's how my story started. And that's what I do with reinvent your life. It's, it's a powerful, powerful thing. Then they write it out. We record it when they have it all fleshed out the way they want. We record it so they can listen to this over and over and over all day subliminally before bed when they first get up and it's a beautiful experience to watch that transition it truly is it's powerful and that is based on peggy mccall's power life script she's got a beautiful program i just sort of tweaked it for what i do so kimberly kelly we have a couple of minutes left and if we have someone listening there who's just started the divorce process whether or not they're choosing it themselves or reacting to their spouse's decision. What do you tell them in terms of what they should do in terms of this work and the work that you do and caring for themselves and rewriting their story? Mm -hmm. Well, first I would tell them to consider the things they can do now that they're single, now that they're going to be divorced. Turn from what you can't do and what's what happened back then into what can I do now? Yes, it's painful. I understand that. This is what they tell themselves. Yes, it's painful. I didn't want this. But look what I can do now. I have the freedom to take that class. I can go to that school now. I can travel with my girlfriends where I didn't have the freedom to do that. I do a lot of ritual work, like smudging, cord cutting, things like that, so I can free myself from the past and then start building building your new vision based on those things. Okay, now that I don't have that, what do I have? What can I do? I think that's but, all, but let me just say that it all begins with your thoughts. All begins. Everything begins with your thoughts. And that's where you all, that's the only thing you have control over. So you have to substitute telling yourself, this is terrible. This is horrible. I'm a bad person. I deserve this to something that is positive and forward looking. Right. Empowering. I just call it empowering. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. What makes you feel good when you say it? Good. Kimberly Kelly, thank you so much for being my guest on Divorce Dialogues. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Catherine. Thanks for having me.